Welcome to the editor of Landbouw. We keep on to say Freyavirkblad. You know, it's not free. You have to pay money for it. It's Landbouwirkblad. It's 100 years old this year. And I went into the Landbouw's headquarters the other day in Cape Town. And I saw this magnificent display of old covers going back decades. And it's inspired me to get hold of Chris Burgess and say, please, come and talk to me about this phenomenon in publishing. Because, Chris, you, you edit this niche magazine in what's broadly a dying industry. How is Landbau Wirkblatt holding up? Um, yes. Uh, um, good evening, uh, Bruce. I'm a big fan of yours. Um, remarkably well, uh, uh, turns out. Um, oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So the, so the dying industry, I hope you're not referring to agriculture. Um, that's no, print, no, no, print no. Agri- ag- agriculture is holding on by the skin <laughs> of its teeth, but uh, print media is, is, is tragically dying. I like a good magazine. Yeah, so, yeah, so the, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, just like any other print, print product, we've, we've, um, we have our problems. We, uh, you know, circulation has been declining over the past few years. Farmers have also been getting, getting fewer. I mean, what, we're losing about a thousand five hundred farmers a year. Um, uh, on, on the, on the print product, you know, we've been losing, uh, advertising revenue, but, you know, we've had quite a, quite an aggressive diversification strategy on the on the brand so we've uh, you know we it's uh, we don't just do print anymore um you know the print the print product is you know that's, that's still the flagship product and that's the sort of editorial funnel where everything comes in um but we uh, you know we're doing a tv program which is doing phenomenally well um lumber vehicles which is a weekly uh, a farming program um we do uh, we do conferences uh, uh do, do a lot on regenerative agriculture um two big conferences in rights and 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 Ottersdal. we do standalone magazines um you know Landbewerkblatt um we have the biggest food magazine um freestanding food magazine sold food magazine in the country belongs to us which we're very proud of um which is, what what's the title Burakos Burkos. Well, Burkos. There's, a, there's, there's a title for a magazine. You can't yeah. miss that. Yeah. So what, what what does it feature? I'm joking. Um, <laughs> you also you're underselling, I think, uh, quite a landmark conference which you held. I mean, you talk about conferences, but you did have a big conference on land, and you'd got quite a lot of uh, praise, I, I think, uh, for getting very key role players around the table at a time of a real tension within the land debate and the land space. And, I mean, there's always going to be tension about land in South Africa It's, it's and it, with, with good reason. But, I mean, you, you took quite a big risk, I think, in facilitating at a fractious time a discussion on land, especially with a, a, a magazine, a, a business with a heritage of 100 years in backing farmers. Well, you know, there should be a lot less uh, tension around land because, you know, we've got um – you know we uh have got some of the most uh um flexible and innovative um, innovative land reform models uh, that you'll find anywhere in the world and what 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 really happened was it, it was sort of born out of frustration because you know we we sort of stuck in this in this debate around uh, expropriation without compensation and it sort of became, you know, we all know it sort of beca- it, it became a political football, and we, we we were all aware of the fact that that the constitution actually really lauded, and we had the report by uh, former president Chalema uh, Montlante, where he, you know where he <laughs> quite pertinently said that the problem with land reform wasn't land reform; it was the state, um, and he said that in no uncertain terms, and that sort of seemed to get lost in all the noise. So. 
you know, we, we, um, you know, having worked in agriculture and it's, it's often quite difficult to get these stories out into the, into the mainstream media. You know, we, we, we have, we've had to do with some phenomenal people in the past, you know, 20 odd years that I've been working in agriculture. And we decided, you know, everyone's speaking for the farmers. The academics have something to say and the politicians have something to say and the suburbanites have something to say about land reform. Maybe it should be time to get the farmers to say something about land reform. So we got, we got 65 case studies together that we knew about, the, uh, the best that we that we had, um, that we could find. And we got them all together in Bella Bella, basically because uh, Louis van der Watt uh, gave us their, their uh, auction facilities basically for free. So that was the reason why we had it in Bella Bella. And um, we got, uh, you know, 65 speakers, two days, everyone had 10 minutes to, to, come, and, uh, to come and state their, their, their case. Um, we were quite uh, insistent that it that it should be farmers, um, you know, that it should be primary agriculture, or, or rather, or it should be should come from the agricultural sector because we felt quite strongly that agriculture's voice should be heard. And the day before the um, Agri SA were our partners in this in this venture, and the day before the conference, we got the info. We we were told that uh, that the deputy president uh, wanted to wanted to open the conference, and we were vehemently uh, opposed to it. Until somebody sort of uh, delicately pointed out that he did, that he was after all the deputy president. So, um, <laughs> we, we, we relented and he opened, he, he did come and open the, the conference. And, um, it was quite extraordinary. I mean, he, uh, um, he delivered quite a, quite a, um, um, uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm lost on the timeline here a little bit. Was yeah. this Sir Robert, Sir Robert no, Ramaphosa? No, this was, this was Didi, Didi Mabuza. Didi okay. Mabuza. Yeah. Now he came and he gave a very uh, uh, conciliatory speech, and the rand actually picked up a little um, after the, after that speech. We were told, um, and um, yeah, and then we had the we had the DG of Agriculture there f- uh, for the entire for the entire conference. We had the Minister of of Land Reform um, there at the, at, at the time. It was the Minister of Land Reform at the time, and it was just an extraordinary. Uh, we basically battled people with positivity for two days and um, the the result was quite extraordinary people hadn't heard these stories um, people hadn't uh, weren't aware of, of 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 the absolute phenomenal work that is already being done in land reform um, across all sectors of of agriculture from restitution farms that uh, that have fallen into disrepair that that have been gone into co ventures with uh, the biggest private citrus exporters in South Africa to family farms that have been reconfigured and 10% have been given to workers to communal farmers uh, with uh, you know from Mrs uh, Gloria Sorobe's fantastic projects uh, in Clintani in the Transkai to the in the former Transkai to the to the communal wool farmers who've been sort of like been plugged into international um, export value chain to uh, the Bonnyvale School, you know, that, uh, you know, Philip Jonker and his three mates, uh, you know, it's a 120 million rand technical school that they, that they erected out of nothing, you know, um, or Kusi von Seil, a grain farmer out in Bredasdorp that has been mentoring, uh, 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 Brown farmers who have now taken over the mentoring role uh, um, themselves. He's got a children's home on his farm. I mean, just a really extraordinary, extraordinarily, uh, extraordinary stories about South Africa. Um, and 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 the amazing thing about about most of these is that they actually all make business sense. So it's a it's a complete win win situation. You know, if you look at somebody like Jeff Every, who's a true great South African. Um, uh, Amadlelo Agri is a is a uh, consortium of I think it's seventy of our biggest uh, dairy farmers, and Jeff has been consulting had been consulting to them for 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 many years, and at some point he said, you know, chaps, it's time to start plowing something back, 
And they went into the former homelands of the Siskai and the identified ground, which they then rented from the communities. Um, and then they brought the infrastructure and the, and the, and the, and the animals. And ironically enough, put up these world class dairies in the former homelands where, uh, the, where the nationalist government had, had put in infrastructure that had just fallen into complete disrepair. And I mean, they've got the, you've got these world class dairies. Um, in, in, in communal areas where this should not be happening. So, you know, and, and I think, I think the big, the big impact that this, that, that the conference did have, it sort of gave people hope that, that, you know, that things aren't lost, you know, that, that we, uh, that we can you, come up with solutions, you know. If you pay attention to the politics of land, you're not ever going to be able to see the work of land and the work that has been done in land. And many people have tried and some have failed and many more will try and fail. But there is an extraordinary amount of goodwill in agriculture because I think agriculture knows that unless it does transform itself, it is going to have transfer the, the transformation imposed upon it, and it's not necessarily going to like that particular you know the outcome that is imposed upon it. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, um, you know, and I think that I think that agriculture is far more transformed than than people know, um, um, and that you know people appreciate. You know, I'm just thinking of one example. For instance, um, Anthony Evans, there out of your world from Fulun Scrun. Yeah, the late Anthony Evans was a remarkable individual. But yeah, please tell me the story that you've got. Yeah, and he, he, you know, he was a he was a uh, um, a finalist in the in the in the uh, commercial uh, beef farm of the year competition with the Sussex Stud out there at Hunters Fly, and he didn't win the. That, wa- that, 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 that's because he, he used to buy bulls from my dad, and that's the, it's that it's a, that those genes that made his. His, his herd, you see. That's, okay, right. that's my well, argument. That's my argument. Well, it's 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 a very compelling argument. <laughs> um, but uh, um, you know, at, at the award ceremony, he came to us and said, "You know, we we we, we need to get we need to get uh, um, black farmers in here as finalists." You know, so we've got a very good friend, Soy Harman, who's a, who's also also extraordinary guy. Also spoke spoke at Bella Bella. He's he does mentoring work up in the northwest. I think he's got something like two hundred uh, Tswana cattle farmers that he that he mentors. Um, and, uh, and us, we went to him and said, listen, we need some finalists here. And he, um, he, uh, suggested this, this phenomenal farmer, Kleinian Chaskome, and we wrote him in and we nominated him and he ended up winning the commercial cattle farm of the year. And I mean, that was real true South African history that had never happened before that a black farmer had won a commercial cattle farmer would. And that sort of went by, uh, unnoticed by, by the mainstream media and, um, which was pity because, you know, it was a real, it was a real milestone, you know, and these are the stories that are happening all the time and no one sees it and no one picks it up because we are focusing on the politicians who aren't taking us any further. I'm talking to Chris Burgess this evening, who is enlightening us all about uh, the world of agriculture, South African agriculture. It is a discussion about Lampo Vierkblad, but it's gone so much broader than that, because in order to be sustainable, publications like Lampo Vierkblad have got to diversify their interests, and in doing so, are able to facilitate conversations that are not happening in the mainstream, as Chris points out. More with him in a moment. So for a 100 years, Lampo Vierkblad has been featuring a particular demographic of South Africa's agricultural sector. Started in 1919, the magazine has has always been owned by Naspers. I mean, Naspers goes back to those days. Was Lampo Vierkblad always a a, a Naspers publication, Chris Burgess, editor of Lampo Vierkblad? Yeah, it has. I mean, from the, from the beginning, um, uh, it was one of, one of the first titles. Um, and one of, I think, three or four titles that are still, that are still standing after a hundred years. Um, 
Yeah, the, the 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 initial idea, of course, behind Lundberg Werkblatt was to try and commercialize the the uh, Afrikaner subsistence farmers that had been impoverished by the Boer War, um, and and you know that was sort of part of the greater Ophefings effort by the by the by the nationalists, or rather I mean, by the, the Afrikaner community. This was the the, the 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 so-called poor white problem. This was an attempt to try and get these subsistence farmers, the Baivu and those people, to to sort of an early empowerment project, if you like. Absolutely. I mean, um, I don't think people really do really appreciate the devastation that was wreaked on the on the you know on the farming communities in, in the Free State and the and the then Transvaal. And I mean, Baivuners. It was also it was also commercial guys. You know, commercial you know people that had been farmers that had been. Had had substantial land holdings and substantial stock before the war had nothing when they get when they got back and it was yeah. this was a real problem, and they also realized that you know that you know the uh, the, the the economy was being formalized and you know they were going to have to go a little bit more scientifically about it you know you just you, you didn't have limitless land on which you could farm. I mean, but my my impression of Lampevierplatte is it used to be a very ernstige publication. It was very, you know, very serious about farming, and I'm sure you still are very serious about agriculture. But but you've got a, a softer touch about it now. I mean, the covers are, uh, you know, a little bit more appealing and perhaps a little bit more frivolous. There was a wonderful one that I saw in the display that you that you had up at at Nasper, of a father and son jumping in rain puddles, for example, and celebrating the arrival of the rain. Because anybody who's ever lived on a farm knows. There's nothing more important than the arrival of the rain, but you can actually celebrate the joys of agriculture. Doesn't have to be deadly serious all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think I think agriculture is serious enough as as it is. So, exactly. I mean, when we do get the opportunity to to, to feature a cover like that, I mean, what a what a joy! And it was such a, I mean, it was such a popular cover that because it had come after the big rains, and you know, every farmer, you know that. Saw a cover like that could, could 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 so identify with that with that sort of moment of uh, spontaneity. So so it was a no, it was a it was an absolutely lovely, lovely cover. So when we ever and it was actually sent in by a, by a farmer. So, so so those are actually the best covers that we get are are those that we that that we receive from readers. What's your mission? What do you, what do you see as the editor of Lampovierkblad? What do you see as the role of a publication like Lampovierkblad in its pages? And then obviously, I mean, you've described to us the conferences and the impact that you've had and how you've managed to get people talking. I mean, is that the role? Is it is it the sort of facilitation role that uh, to, to try and get a transformation of South Africa's land in a peaceful way? Yeah, I think I'm. I think our mission is very much what uh, that first editor, Dr. Franz Gelden, has had a hundred years ago. You know, it was it's it's to it's to basically um, make sure that agriculture is still around after a hundred years. And I mean that that means that you know that it's not good enough to just dispense information. Um, you know, we 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 need to do that too, of course. But you know, I think as you say, I think um, a facilitatory role is is specifically at this juncture in South Africa. I mean, you know, there's not much we can tell a sort of export uh, citrus farmer. I mean, they, you know, that's uh, they, uh, <coughs> technically they're some of the best farmers in the world. So, I mean, what do you tell a guy like that? You know, so so you have to give him context and you have to provide him some other service. And and a facilitatory role is maybe you know is. Is there's a, there's a, there's a big need for that. I mean, as we saw with with uh, with with Bella Bella, but it's also, you know, to to sort of provide the context to farmers that are stuck on farms. You know, so you know our other our other big drive is regenerative agriculture, which is looking at how farmers can um, 
can get by with fewer inputs, you know, because these are all ex, uh, um, imported and we know what the RAND does. So, you know, to try and look, how does one farm more um, in tune with nature and how does one get the natural services that Mother Nature wants to provide for us for free? How does how do we get her to provide those for free? Um, and then, and then, of course, to you know, to uh, to illustrate best practice, you know, I mean, if if you if you're farming, it's quite amazing, you know. Often you you you've got a farmer in one district and they don't know what's happening um, in in uh, you know 100 kilometers down the road. So 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 I think I mean in a nutshell, I think our our mission will 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 be to have agriculture around in South Africa in a hundred years time. And to have to build an ex- uh, inclusive and productive and profitable agricultural sector, and the frustration is at the moment is that it's uh, that it is so possible. I mean, it is within our grasp. Um, our farmers are of the best in the, in the in the world, and I mean, I don't say that flippantly. They they really are of the best. We have all the models for land reform. Um, it's all there, you know. I mean, so that it's, agriculture could play such a pivotal role. On so many levels in South Africa, you know, not only in terms of earning um, uh, foreign exchange, employment, rejuvenating the plotland, um, you know, it could also, it, it could give us a new sense of purpose, you know. When you go through these small towns, and I mean, you mentioned Filionskron earlier from whence I emanate. And, and I, I wrote a column once about, you know, I went back to go and visit the town. And it was, you know, it was, Fulunskroen was the original one-horse town. It was named after a guy called Fulun who had a horse called Kruen. So it was a proper one-horse town. <laughs> but but somebody had shot the horse and stolen the saddle. I mean, it's, so many of these towns are are dead. Um, they are, are desperate and sad and tragic places. And agriculture does need to play a bigger role in the restoration of these places. Well, they do. I mean, agriculture really does try and play a role. I mean, you've had... Uh, Chris Skitter from Astral on your show. Yeah. I mean, you know, you speak to the guys from NVK up in Lichtenberg. Um, you know, they are they they tear their hair out in frustration because I mean, all the expertise is there. You know, and this is the this is the tragedy about agriculture is that you most likely agriculture is one of the economics one of the of the of the economic sectors in South Africa that is still truly world class and that has some of the most extraordinary managers um, in the entire economy because they have to juggle so many variables. And you have these people in the plot line, the most extraordinary managerial talent right there, but the, but the local government, uh, the uh, uh, local municipalities refuse to speak to these people. I mean, you speak to Chris Gitter, they try for months and months to get a, get a, uh, 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 interview with a mayor. And when they do get an interview with a mayor, nothing happens yeah. until in complete frustration, they, they do it themselves. So it can be turned around. And this is the frustration of agriculture. It's, it's right there. It's, it's, but we just, there's a, there's a political block that we can't, that we can't get past. Chris Burgess, I wish you luck with the, with the mission to to broaden agriculture, to get uh, more people understanding agriculture, understanding the real issues in agriculture beyond the politics and the politicking, and getting a sustainable agriculture sector that allows for jobs to be created, allows for land to be made available to those people who want to seriously farm the land and grow the products and empower themselves and and benefit the country. I think it's a it's a it's a great mission. Chris Burgess, the editor of One Hundred Years. Of Landbouwerkblad. I wonder what Dr. Franz Geldenhuis would think of today's Landbouwerkblad. It seems like far too much fun nowadays compared to what it was a hundred years ago. But the issues are alarmingly similar a hundred years on.